If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. I'll be sharing with you from uh, Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54, the first 17 verses. How many of you have heard of the concept of manifest destiny in U.S. history? Some of you have. Uh, Manifest destiny is a phrase that expressed the belief that the United States had a mission to expand, spreading its form of democracy and freedom, uh, and that uh, the nation um, had a right uh, from God to expand America from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Advocates of Manifest Destiny believe that the expansion was not only good, but that it was obvious, that's the manifest part, and certain that it was our destiny. Uh, The title of my message today is Glorious Destiny. Glorious Destiny. I believe that we, as children of the Most High God, we have a manifest, a glorious destiny. You know, we get up every morning, get out of the same old bed, put on the same old clothes, walk to the same old table, probably eat the same old breakfast, pack the same old lunch, put the same kids on the bus, kiss that same, I won't say old, but same spouse, (laughs) drive the same old car, the same old job, get off at the same old time, drive down that same old street, pull into the same old drive, have the same old dinner, watch the same old program, get in that same old bed, and then get up the next morning and do it all over again. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? You know, we, uh, human beings, love to settle into routines. I've shared this before, but I have to share it again. I heard about two hunters who got a pilot to fly them in in the far north for elk hunting. And they were quite successful in their venture, and they bagged six bucks. Um, Not dollars, but, you know, animals, six bucks. The pilot came back as arranged to pick them up. They started to load their gear into the plane, including the elk, but the pilot objected. He said, this plane can only take four of your elk. Uh, You'll have to leave two behind. They argued with him. They said, the year before, we shot six, and we took those on the plane, uh, the pilot allowed us to do that. plane was the same model, same capacity. So reluctantly, the pilot agreed and permitted them to put all six on board. But when they attempted to take off and leave the valley, the little plane couldn't make it because of the weight, and it crashed in the wilderness. Climbing out of the wreckage, one hunter said to the other, Do you know where we are? I think so, said the other hunter. This is just about the same place we crashed last year. Talk about doing the same old thing and taking it to the extreme. Uh, You know, we settle into a routine. And as has been said, if we always do what we've always done, we're always going to get the same results that we've always gotten before. That can be true in our spiritual lives. If we're in a place of dryness or barrenness, 
uh, and we don't make any changes, we're going to continue to live in that state. In Isaiah chapter 54, the people of Israel were experiencing spiritual barrenness. God is comparing them to a woman in that culture who had no children. Now, in that culture, it's far different from our day and age, in that culture, especially the, the Jewish culture, it was an embarrassment, it was a, uh, you know, a, just a huge disappointment for a woman not to have children. Barrenness was, you know, just something no woman wanted. And uh, God is comparing the nation of Israel, spiritually speaking, to a barren woman. He's saying they are spiritually barren. They needed God to do something in their lives. They needed something new, something fresh. They needed to have a fresh desire for God. You ever feel that way? I know you do. Have you ever been thirsty for God? You ever said, hey, I, you know, I'm just on this roller coaster or on this, uh, you know, like the guinea pig on the wheel, just going round and round. So Isaiah is writing about people who are craving meaning in their life. He is saying that a day will come when God will ask something incredible of you. God will want to take you uh, to a, into a glorious destiny that he has for you. How many know God is still at work? God is still doing big things. And he desires to do big things in and through us. You see? We can say God will do big things, but we think of it in terms of other people or organizations. But God wants to do big things in and through us. We have a glorious destiny. So this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, what steps must believers take to reach the glorious destiny that God has for them? What steps must believers take to reach the glorious destiny God has for them? The first one is this, is to prepare for fabulous growth. Prepare for fabulous growth. Look at verse 1. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. So as I said, God here is comparing the nation of Israel to a woman who has been barren. And he says, rejoice, O barren woman. Your days of barrenness are coming to an end. In this text, God, in essence, is asking his people, will you grow? Will you grow? Will you move from where you are to what I have for you? You know, there's some misconceptions about how to grow spiritually. A New York City businessman moved to the country and he bought a piece of land. He went to the local feed and livestock store and talked to the proprietor about how he was going to take up chicken farming. He then asked to buy 100 chicks. The owner said, that's a lot of chicks. Uh, he, the, the, the gentleman said, I mean business. A week later, the new farmer was back again. I need another 100 chicks, he said. 
Uh, he said, boy, you're really serious, the proprietor said, about chicken farming. Uh, the man said, well, yeah, he said, if I can iron out a few problems. The storekeeper said, problems? He said, yeah, he said, I think I planted that last batch too close together. <laughs> I know, that's awful. But we can't grow spiritually, is the point I want to make, by just burying ourselves and expecting something to happen. And so I want to share with you how to prepare for fabulous growth. Three ways to prepare for fabulous growth. First of all, enlarge your capacity. Enlarge your capacity. Make room for God to work. Make room for God to work. First, in 1 Chronicles 4.10, a man named Jabez, you've heard of the prayer of Jabez. Jabez cried out to God. Jabez had a lot against him in his life, but he cried out to God and said, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. He said, Bless me and expand my territory. Do you know it's not wrong to ask God to bless you? The problem is sometimes we ask God to bless us and we're thinking only in material terms. And God does bless us materially, doesn't he? But, uh, but we should have a heart that wants God to bless us spiritually. Jabez said, enlarge my territory. Uh, it's not based on our ability, it's based on the spirit that dwells in us. What's bigger, a water bottle or a balloon that you buy from the store? A water bottle is, isn't it? Uh, but which one will hold more? The balloon. Why is that? Because the water bottle can't expand, only so much. But the balloon has a greater capacity to expand. Isn't that right? So the, the, the question about whether or not we can grow is, are, are we expandable like that balloon? Are we willing to make uh, room for God to work in our lives? Uh, my... Um, my daughter and son-in-law are expecting their second child, our second grandchild, this summer. We couldn't be happier. And, uh, you know, we, I think I mentioned my grandson we've, once or twice. We've kind of been over the moon. As I said, you'd think nobody ever had a grandchild before. We're just so excited. But we have another one coming. We're going to have to make a little room in our hearts. I, I think we'll be able to manage it. But Lauren and Kevin are busy... Uh, moving things around in their house. They've moved Levi, our grandson, into another room, and they're getting the baby's room ready, and they're, they're, they're expanding the territory. They're making a place for this new child. You know, parents, that's what you do. And what we need to, in order to prepare for fabulous growth, we first of all need to enlarge our capacity. We need to make room for God to grow. God, I'm, are, are we willing, in other words, for God to do something different in our lives, to take us out of our comfort zone? And so um, we, we need to en enlarge our territory. Secondly, extend your commitment. Uh, we don't, that's the C word. We don't like to hear that word, do we? Stretching has a tendency to cause pain. Isn't that true? Um, there was a man who told his doctor that he wasn't able to do all the things around the house that he used to do. When the examination was complete, he said, now, doc, I can take it. 
Tell me in plain English what's wrong with me. Well, in plain English, the doctor replied, you're just lazy. The man said, okay. Now give me the medical term so I can tell my wife. <laughs> you see, when you stretch, you work a different set of muscles. And so in order for us to stretch, it's going to require some pain on our part. We live in a commitment-phobic day and age. You know, we want to be free to dabble, you know, and to do things when, our, when the fancy suits us. But there's something powerful about making a commitment, making a commitment to serve in the church, to serve in a ministry, you know, to serve regularly, to do something for the kingdom of God. I, I guarantee you today, if you make a commitment and stick to it, extend your commitment, uh, you, you, will, you will be on the path to growth. Okay? But if we only stay in our little comfort zone, if we only stay in what we're, you know, makes our flesh happy and makes our flesh comfortable, we're not going to grow. Can I tell you something? Growth by definition is change. Growth, by definition, is stepping out of your comfort zone. So extend your commitment. Are you willing to be committed today to serving God in a new capacity, in a fresh way? What's the third way we can enlarge our territory? It's to expand your influence. Expand your influence. Did you know that you have the ability to influence people? Now, some people seem to have this naturally. You know, you have a group of people together, and often a leader will emerge. You know, if you've ever served on jury duty, somebody just emerges that, oh, that person should be the foreman. And some people seem to have that natural leadership ability and ability to exert influence. But you know, each of us can exert influence in a positive way. So, Pastor Tim, how do, I've never thought of myself that way. How do I go about doing that? Well, it's, it's really quite simple. You uh, expand your influence by expanding your circle of concern, by getting involved in people's lives, by reaching out and, and meeting people's needs and touching people's needs and showing concern for them and their lives and who they are. Can I tell you something? When people know that you care for them, when they know that you're touched with their difficulties and that they matter to you, uh, you're going to have influence in their lives. And when they know it's genuine, you genuinely care for people. And, and if you're here today or watching online, you just, you know, say, I, I, I really love the world. There's people I can't stand, you know. Sometimes you feel like that. But say, God, give me a love for people. Give me a, you know, and it's, it's natural to say, hey, I have my own problems. I have my own, uh, I have my own difficulties. I have my own um, uh, you know, challenges in life. But in the midst of your own difficulties, if you can reach out and show concern for other people and, and genuinely care about them, God will give you influence in their lives and you'll be able to influence them for the kingdom of God. So uh, expand your capacity, extend your commitment, uh, expand your influence. And... That's how you prepare for fabulous growth. Make room for growth in your life. Make room for God to do something new and fresh in your life. Don't be uh, so uh, focused on maintaining the status quo, doing the same old, same old, and staying in your comfort zone. 
Okay, if you and I want to reach the glorious destiny God has for us, we need to be willing to change. We need to prepare for fabulous growth for God to do something in our lives. Amen? Amen. What's the second thing we need to do to reach our glorious destiny that God has for us? It's trust the faithful God. Trust the faithful God. Look at verse 10. For your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandon you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. There are two things that we see here. First of all, we see uh, complete restoration. God says, for a time, we've been estranged. Again, carrying the metaphor of, of a wife, a husband and wife. For, for, for a time, we've been estranged, he said, but I, I will bring you back. I will restore you. Uh, and in the Old Testament, the prophet uh, used the metaphor of the locusts that had destroyed the land. Have you ever seen a swarm of locusts? You ever seen video of that? They can go through a field and strip the vegetation uh, strip it of all its vegetation in seconds. And God said, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I will restore you. I will bring you back. Have you wandered from the path God has for you? Have you gotten sidetracked? It's easy to do that, isn't it? The concerns of life, work, obligations, other pursuits that can distract us and and, we, you know, we love the Lord, but sometimes we get to where we're serving him more from a distance. We're not as, as on fire for him as we once were. And, and, and God says, I will restore you. What a precious promise. What a, what a, what a wonderful uh, ode of love that God uh, expresses to his people. Yeah, you've been, we, we, we've, you've served me at a distance. Yeah, we've been far apart, but I'm going to restore you. How many know God is a restorer? God is one who can take us no matter how we failed, no matter how far uh, from him we've wandered. God can take us and he can restore us to a place of intimacy, to a place of closeness, uh, to a place of walking uh, and, and feeling his heartbeat. God is a restorer today. And you may feel far from God. You may feel like you're worshiping him and serving him from afar. But I want you to know God desires to restore you today. In addition to complete restoration, we see here divine commitment. God uh, refers to the days of Noah when uh, after the flood, he said he would never again destroy the earth by a flood. And he says here, so now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken, the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken 
nor my covenant of peace removed. Do we know how powerful that is? God says no matter what happens in all the universe, nothing, nothing can shake my love for you. Boy, that's powerful. Sometimes we don't feel loved, do we? Sometimes we can look at our own shortcomings, we can just feel, man, I'm, I don't measure up. God, you, God you, must not, you must not love me very much. God says, oh, it doesn't matter. There's not, did you know there is nothing you could do? This is not a license to sin, of course, but there is absolutely nothing if, if you tried your dead level best. There is nothing you could ever do in your entire life to separate you from God's love. Praise God. Praise God. He loves you. He loves you deeply, and he's made a commitment to you. We're so used to broken promises. We're so used to failed commitments uh, that we don't realize sometimes God keeps his promises. We can trust a faithful God. Deep in our hearts, we believe God is good, yet we have a shallow understanding of his goodness sometimes. You know, when, when things are going well, we just sang about the goodness of God this morning. When things are going well, boy, we can just say, God, you're so good. What about when things don't go so well? What about when problems that uh, we know are part of life inevitably arise? And how many know they come in clusters, right? They come all together. God, are you still good? God, do you still love me? Corey Ten Boom, I don't know if, how many of you are familiar with her story. She and her entire family were taken uh, prisoner into Nazi concentration camps during World War II. And uh, her entire family, her parents, her sister, lost their lives. She, uh, she was spared. And she, she said this, talking about the goodness of God. She said, often I have heard people say how good God is. We prayed that it would not rain for our church picnic. And look at the lovely weather. Yes, God is good when he sends good weather. But God was also good when he allowed my sister Betsy to starve to death before my eyes in a German concentration camp. I remember one occasion when I was very discouraged there. Everything around us was dark, and there was darkness in my heart. I remember telling Betsy that I thought God had forgotten us. No, Corey, said Betsy. He has not forgotten us. Remember his word. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Corey Ten Boom concluded, there is an ocean of God's love available. There is plenty for everyone. May God grant you never to doubt that victorious love, whatever the circumstances. This morning, I can't pretend to know what your circumstances are. I can't pretend to know what the complications of your life may be. I can't pretend to know what keeps you awake at night. But I can tell you this, through it all, you can trust a faithful God. You can trust God at his word. If you need restoration, God will restore you today. You can trust in his divine commitment. He will keep his word to you. He will watch over his word to perform it in your life. There are very few things in life that we can be certain of, but the faithfulness of God is one of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Come on. You've experienced the faithfulness of God. It's not just a theory. It's not just a philosophy. It's the truth. It's the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. And so 
to uh, reach your glorious destiny, you can trust in a faithful God. God, I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know what it's going to cost me. I don't know what challenges you're going to take me through. But God, I trust you because you keep your word. Hallelujah. Prepare for fabulous growth. And secondly, trust the faithful God. What's the third thing that we need to do to reach our glorious destiny? Envision a future greatness. Envision a future greatness. In verse 11, it says, O afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will build you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with sapphires. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, all your walls of precious stones. All your sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you, listen to this, will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to work havoc. No weapon formed forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Envision a future greatness. God here mentions several things. He talks about beauty in verses 11 through 12. One translation says it this way, I will mortise your stones with lead ore. Lead ore was used for blackening the eyelids to make the eyes shine more brilliantly. God said your future is a future of beauty. Uh, secondly, verse 13, your future is a future of understanding. You will understand uh, what I am doing. Your future is a future of peace in verse 13. In verse 14, he talks about righteousness. In verse 15, uh, verses uh, 14 through 17, security. In verse 17, he talks about vindication. God paints this beautiful picture of the future of his people. And for you and me uh, to reach the glorious destiny we have, we have to envision it sometimes. How many know sometimes we, we, we uh, really can latch on to something that we see? Remember what God said to Abraham? He said, look at the stars in the sky. I've made reference to this recently. Look at the stars in the sky. If you can number, this was Abraham in his old age. Remember, I, I shared about this a few weeks ago. In his old age when he and his, his elderly wife had no children. God said to Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. If you could number the stars in the sky, you'll be able to number your, inherit, your, your uh, descendants. God gave this childless man in his elderly years an image, a picture of the, the, uh, the, the, the breadth of his uh, descendants. Envision a future greatness. Sometimes I talked at the beginning of my message about doing the same old, same old, and we just anticipate it going on that way. How about we think a little differently about our future? How about we start thinking about God doing great things in our lives? We sang, great are you, Lord. God wants to do great things in our lives. Say, so Pastor Tim, well, you know, that's, that's good for the young people, but, you know, my day has passed me by. I don't find that in the Word of God. Do you? As long as we have breath in our lungs, we sang about having his breath in our lungs this morning. As long as we have breath in our lungs, God has a future for us. Come on. 
As long as we have breath in our lungs, as long as we're upright, as long as our bodies are above room temperature, hallelujah, God has a glorious destiny for us. God has a future for us, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to possess that future. I want to reach that glorious destiny that God has for me. God's not finished with me yet. Sometimes I feel like he is, but when I know the truth of scripture, I know differently. Sometimes we need to brush those feelings aside, amen? Turn to somebody this morning, say, God's not finished with you yet. Come on, say it like you mean it. And he's not finished with me either, tell him. History is full of people with negative forecasts for the future. A man named Lee DeForest, the inventor of the cathode ray tube, said this in 1926. Theoretically, television may be feasible, but I consider it an impossibility, a development which we should waste little time dreaming about. That, uh, that, that was a, a glowing uh, prophecy, wasn't it? Thomas J. Watson, uh, the chairman of the board of IBM in 1943, was reported to have said this, I think there is a world market for about five computers. It's pretty good, isn't it? And then a recording company expert in 1962 said this, we don't think the Beatles will do anything in their market. Guitar groups are on their way out. <laughs> if there's one thing we human beings uh, have in common, it's that we can be lousy prognosticators, lousy predictors of the future. I, I like instead, I already made reference to Corey Ten Boom, I like instead what she said. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Hallelujah. I want to finish with a story. Talk about envisioning future greatness. From the beginning of time until now, only 12 men have placed their feet on the moon. Think about that. Out of probably 50 to 100 billion people who've lived on this earth, Twelve men have placed their feet on the moon. Colonel James B. Irwin was one of those men. When he was a little boy, little Jimmy Irwin often pointed to the moon and told anyone who would listen that he would travel there. He said, I told our neighbors, but can we put that picture up there, Charlie? There he is. He said, I told our neighbors, but they all laughed at me. I told my mother and father, they were somewhat amused, but my mother said this, get this, his mother said this to him. Uh, she said, son, man will never be able to live there. She said, just forget that, just do something worthwhile with your life. But his dream came true on August 7th, 1971, with his historic flight to the moon as a member of Apollo 15, the Apollo 15 crew that made a successful moonwalk. He was the eighth person to walk on the moon. A little boy's childhood dream, envisioning a great event in his life. And all those close to him said, son, get realistic. But what happened? He did it. He did it. And, you know, if a human being can have that kind of a vision, that kind of spectacular vision for his life against all the odds and have it come true. How much more can the children of God have 
a, a, a vision for future greatness. The world around us may say it's impossible. The world may look at us and say, you'll never amount to anything. Not that your best days are behind you. But I want you to know, God has a glorious destiny for you and for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In conclusion this morning, we ask the question, what steps must believers take to reach the glorious destiny God has for them? First, prepare for fabulous growth. Make room for God to work in your life. Don't be so constricted in your comfort zone that you say, this is the way it has to be. Let's say, let's say to God, God, I open up my life to you. God, move the furniture around. God, expand my capacity. Lord, I'm willing to extend my commitment. Lord, I'm going to make room uh, for you to bring growth into my life, to bring something new into my life, something that is unprecedented, something I've never considered, something I've never thought about. About, but God, I want to make room for you to work because God, there's no limit to what you can do in my life if I make room for you to work. Let's pray that way. Amen, church? Secondly, we need to trust the faithful God. God who is a restorer. Yes, we may have stumbled. Yes, we may have strayed. Yes, we may have been serving him from a distance. But God says, I'm going to restore you and I'm going to make a divine commitment. I will be with you. I will watch over my word to perform it in your life. No matter what the circumstances look like. No matter uh, what is going on all around you. I'll watch over my word to perform it in your life. You can trust the faithful God this morning. Hallelujah. And thirdly, envision a future greatness. Don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to say, God, I want to believe you to do great things in my life. See, that's not immodest, okay? Because it's not about our innate greatness. It's not about who we are. It's about who he can make out of us. Do we understand that? It's not immodest to say, I believing for future greatness because it's not about us. We don't make ourselves great. He makes us great as he sees greatness. Amen. It's about what he can do in our lives. We can envision a future greatness and we can reach that glorious destiny that God has for us. God has not given up on you. Don't you give up on what he wants to do in your life.